2: All the way to the, we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com
1: slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
0: The pace with Alex and Foxy. Alex and Foxy. Alex and Alex. If I put our Jackson in the paint, how you gonna stop me? How you gonna stop me? We can go head to head. Pull out your top three. Pull top three. Look at the switch from Buddy Hill. Not a boy got three. We got and Burton the point. This is the Benedict
1: for the shot. If anybody gonna come in the post, then we got mild Turner for the block. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team, we gon' need a mop. Smooth.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode here of Setting the Pace. If you're a faithful listener of this show, then you know that you are called. Center. We thank you so much for doing that and being a faithful listener of the show. Happy Monday, Tuesday, whenever you're listening to this. We hope you guys are having a great day. But Fachi is here to talk with me about the Pacers and this roster and how we're going to figure out the, what we're going to do to find an open roster spot because this team feels like there's a lot of log James. But Fachi, how you doing, man?
2: I'm doing great. I mean, we're fresh off Summer League. Life's good. Feels like Pacer basketball is in a really positive spot compared to a year ago. Where it just felt like, hey, what do we got to do to get Wimbenyama? You know, look, look, a lot's <laughs> changed. Now it's just like, what do we got to do to get back into the playoffs? And when we look at this roster, you, me, many the other Pacer fans are thinking, I don't think we're done yet. I think we need to find a way to get, you know, clear one more roster spot. And I think that's what we thought today. How do we go about it?
0: Yeah, there's just a lot of guys on this team that feel like they need playing time. And if you're trying to build your third string, it's kind of tough. So not that you want to build for a third string, but I think there's a way you can maybe trade two for one and and figure things out, maybe simplify the rotation a little bit because right now there's going to be a couple guys on the outside looking in trying to get playing time. And that's not always a bad thing, but at the same time, you don't want to have a disgruntled locker room if that's the case. And I think the Pacers – did value the veteran presence of James Johnson last year. So if they're wanting to bring him back or maybe more of a hometown hero and George Hill back, they're going to have to make a trade that would clear a roster spot, whether that's two for one or one guy going to a team that has some cap space right now. So we're going to talk about all that, Fachi, But um, let's go ahead. These are trade ideas to clear a roster spot exercise we're going to do. I'll let you go first, Fachi. Kick us off.
2: Now, you got to let me know. Do I go big first? Or do I go small? Because what? I got a little bit of a variation of just oh, about man. everything. Okay, well, let's build our way up to the big one, Foch. Just start your way off small. All right, so let's go with a small one. Uh, with this one, let's start with the San Antonio Spurs. All right. In this deal, it's going to be Reggie Bullock and a Hawks 2025 lottery-protected first for TJ McConnell, Daniel Tice, the Bucks' 2024 second-round pick and the Pacers' 2025 second rounder. Before you say, why would the Spurs give a 2025 first? Alex, they have six first-round picks in the next two years. It's way too many.
0: Yes, I, I I still want to push back and say, why would they give a first-round pick lottery
2: protected? Because what does that pick turn into if it's uh, who was it? The Hawks pick? It's the Hawks. So you would think that you know that pick could be I don't know eighteen. Somewhere around there, maybe.
0: Yeah, so Tyus McConnell in two seconds for...
2: for Reggie expiring. Bullock expiring and yeah. um, the Hawks pick. So with yeah. this, you clear a roster spot. And I'll tell you what, why would they do that? T.J. McConnell would be such a great veteran for that young Spurs team right now. That They have Trey Jones at point guard. But, I mean, do you feel overly confident there? I feel like T.J. McConnell is the kind of guy that could... Really, be a spark plug for those young guys in San Antonio, and we know push comes to shove, they can't bring in six first-round picks next year. In addition to, they have a ton of second-round picks, um, you know that they're owed from other teams. So, what, what do you what do you think in this scenario? <laughs>
0: well, let me just push back because I'm going to ask you this: a first lottery protected, albeit lottery protected, even though they have a ton of first. You're looking at guys like Chris Duarte, Obi Toppin, who are still in their rookie contracts only got two second-round picks and a trade to get them off the roster and move on. The the Spurs are taking on two veteran guys that don't really make sense long-term for their team in two seconds, and they're giving up Reggie Bullock, who he is what he is. He's a guy that really was disappointing, I think, last year for the Mavericks on an expiring and a lot of protected firsts. I understand that they have too many firsts. They probably can't take all those guys, but... They could turn those draft picks into a bigger trade. They could push those draft picks like we did down the line if a team wants to get back into the first round like they don't have their picks. So to me, I just feel like we're probably getting way too much back in this deal. Uh, if you're look at, if I'm looking at it from that uh, perspective, just because I think if we couldn't get a first for Chris Duarte, what makes you think we're going to get a first for Daniel Tice and TJ McConnell?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously Tice is expiring. McConnell, I think, is a player that can very much help them. Duarte, I think, was kind of, you know, inconsistent. Year one yeah. looked great. Year two, I don't know. Which player is he? Year three might be somewhere in the middle. I get it. Um, in, in this situation, you know, that's why I want to start with one of the lower deals. It's like, eh, you know what? It's not the best deal. But if the Spurs eventually, yes, they could use those first-round picks for a much bigger deal. But I do think that when you look at this roster, Pop would probably like a veteran in there. And when, when you come across it, it's like their veteran right now, Doug McDermott, 31 years old, is he even going to make, make it past the season or past the trade deadline? Probably not. It's a really, really young team. A lot of 20-year-olds, 23-year-olds, 19. So they, I think they could use an adult in that locker room. But I understand if they're not willing to give a first-round pick. But I try to find the team of, who has the most of them. And that was the worst of the first round picks. Cause look at some of the other ones they have Uh, for 2024. They have their own Charlotte, then Toronto. And then in 2025, they have Chicago's first round pick their own and Atlanta. So it was definitely the worst first round pick that they have to offer.
0: Yeah. And that makes sense. I mean, Atlanta, they traded a bunch of those first round picks for the DeJounte Murray trade. So I I get that. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not mad about the trade structure. I just think that the first round pick probably needs to be seconds yep. and the Pacers probably don't include a second, or maybe it's just
2: one second in bullock for Tyson McConnell. That could make yeah. some sense. If, if, um if we're talking about, you know, it, that first round picks out of there, then we're not including second round picks. Mm. My problem is, is I don't think that the Pacers are going to punt on McConnell just to clear a roster spot. I think that they value McConnell enough to say, if we're moving him, we got to get something of value other than a roster spot.
0: Yeah, and I think that a second-round pick probably would be somewhat of value to them, even though that sounds crazy. I, yeah, I think it does sound kind of crazy. But they traded Chris Duarte for two seconds, Fauci.
2: So. But they value T.J. McConnell far more than they, they value. They? Yes, they definitely do. I, and I think that you believe that, too. I think that we knew that Chris Duarte was very much the odd man out, probably before the season was even done, let alone the second the offseason started. T.J. McConnell is a front office
0: favorite. He is. Here's what I will say. I think that T.J. McConnell is going to be hard to not play if he's on this roster because of how much they love him, but I also think they realize that Nimhart's potential is much higher and that he probably needs to be the guy to run the second unit, and so trading McConnell somewhere where he can be impactful would be probably what they would try to do to find the right trade for him. Because I think that it would be hard to make T.J. McConnell your third-string point guard because I don't know if he would embrace that role completely, especially knowing that he's a little bit younger than a guy like George Hill and still feels like he has a lot more to provide. Um, And it's just like there's such a crowded backcourt in the Pacers rotation right now that I think it's a little bit challenging. So um, I'll stay with the Spurs because I had a Spurs trade, Fauci, and mine was definitely less sexy than yours because of what you said that we were getting back. But mine was Doug McDermott. And the Lakers' second-round pick next year for McConnell and Jalen Smith. Hmm.
2: You know, I, I I tried to work McDermott in one. I I had one, but I'm not even going to share it if since you shot down my uh, my <laughs> previous one so, because it also involved that Atlanta first. Um, I tried. So, I didn't include
0: any first-round picks in any of these roster-clearing trade spots things. So, like, I'm just giving you a heads up.
2: Yeah, my, my feeling was just – I just I find it hard for the Pacers to just move on from McConnell if they're not getting something real of value. McDermott, you get him now, but now there's another log jam there. Sure, you clear a roster spot, but, like, how much playing time is McDermott getting on this team when he's a shooter, buddy's a shooter? You got Ben Shepard. Oh, he probably not been well, he's yeah, third string. He's yeah. third string,
0: and that's kind of what you're trying to do. You're trying to clear the rotation up a little bit. So you're getting rid of a, a center that you don't really probably need in Jalen Smith knowing you have Tice – and Isaiah Jackson that can back up Miles, and I think that's good enough depth. And then you've got Toppin and Walker, who can also play small ball five in a pinch if you need to. And then with all the different wings that we have, you can put McDermott as your you know, third string small forward, whatever, and he's an expiring contract, so you get off the books for that for next year and don't have to worry about the partial guarantee you owe to TJ or Jalen opting into his contract. I was also looking at that as a big reason why... Yeah. You want to make a trade like this because you're getting an expiring contract for guys that could have money on the books for next year if you're trying to be bigger players in next offseason.
2: If the whole goal is, hey, we just want to save some money, clear a roster spot, obviously that trade makes sense. Do you think that makes the Pacers a better team by doing this trade, or is it just doing a deal just to do a deal?
0: I think sometimes uh, simplifying the roster is the better move, personally. Um, I, I think that if you could get George Hill in here to be your backup point guard or your third-string point guard, excuse me, you yeah, have Ben Shepard as your um, third-string shooting guard. This will put McDermott as your, as your third-string small forward, Jordan Moore as your third-string power forward, and then you're probably looking at Tice or Jackson as your third-string center. It just, I think it confuses – or it, it, it allows there to be less confusion with the roster. So I think sometimes when you have – guys that know their rules and they're kind of solidified in them. It makes it easier because you don't want to go through a whole situation like we have with Aaron Holiday where this guy was, you know, supposed to be the backup point guard, but then you have a coach like Nate McMillan who couldn't not play TJ McConnell and then Aaron Holiday never gets the development that he needs, even though he showed flashes when he actually got the play early on in McMillan's system. So I just want to make sure that Nimhard doesn't get the short end of the staff, uh, the shaft with this, because I feel like he's a guy that deserves playing time uh, over McConnell, and I feel like McConnell at this point, like I don't think McConnell should be getting playing time over Andrew Nimhard, Benedict Mathern, Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Bruce Brown, Aaron Smith. I think he's one of those guys that's going to have to take a back seat to those players, and that's where it gets crowded.
2: Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you there. It, I wonder what the understanding is for McConnell and his role this year because, yeah, when you break it down, it's like you pretty much only feel comfortable with him getting playing time over Ben Shepherd, everybody else yeah. it just feels like it's like look these are guys that we really want to continue to develop and it's hard to imagine TJ McConnell not playing at all like just getting did not play coach's decision it just feels like he's too much of a competitor for that so you know if you want if the goal is purely create a, a roster spot save some money you definitely check a couple boxes over there Doug McDermott obviously familiar with Indiana so I think fans would be excited about him so I don't hate the deal I don't know if it makes the Pacers better but for future, it does. You save at least $10 million because there's about close to $5 million owed on that partial guarantee to McConnell, and then about $5 million owed to Jalen Smith. So that's definitely worth something.
0: All right, let's keep it moving because now we kind of laid it out through like how we're thinking when we make these trades. I think it makes more sense now uh, in terms of how we're talking about it. So let's go ahead and move on to your next
2: one. So my next one, small deal. Pacers, Utah Jazz. Daniel Tice, and we're sending the Jazz back their 2027 second round pick. Okay. They they just take Tice back. They get that pick. If that's not enough, 2025 Miami second round pick included in there. I figured I would start with that smaller deal. If they turn it down, this is what my final is. And, what are,
0: and they're just taking the money? They're, they're, they're just, just taking them. That's it. Okay. So we're just sending him into space. Sending him into space. Yep. For nothing back, okay. Um. Yeah, that's that's kind of similar to what we talked about last year with the Clippers with their trade exception that they that's had. exactly. So they have cap space still? They do. Okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, it makes sense if you're trying to clear a roster spot. It, and, exactly. You know, it's You're yeah, going to have it, to give it, up a second. Sexy. You're going to have to give up some seconds or at least one you are. to get that deal done because they're doing you a favor. It's very similar to when the Pacers traded. I think it was TJ Leaf in a second-round pick to the OKC Thunder. To get him off their roster, just because they were ready to yeah, we got Jalen Lecue back. I remember in that. Oh, that's Um, right. We did. Oh my god, I forgot about that.
2: Yeah, Jalen Lecue, man, that's a name out of the yeah. He had buzz for about a week. You know, (laughs) baby Westbrook. That's what they called them. Yeah, they but look in in this deal, the Jazz they just accumulate more assets. I figure they might want their twenty twenty seven, you know, second round pick back. If that's not enough, they can gladly have that Miami you know, second round pick for 2025, because I don't think that's going to be an appealing pick. Um, so it it feels like a lot second round picks to attach to Tice just to dump them. But when you're not taking back any money, I think in this situation, you can live with it.
0: Yeah. And I think one of the things too, it allows the Pacers to get a little bit more cap space for this season, depending what they want to do. About $9
2: million. And, um, Danny Ainge
0: also has connections with Daniel Tice from their days in Boston. So I could kind of Mm, see this happening, but, uh, Yeah, so I'm going to move on to my next one here just so we don't over-talk these silly trades that aren't that deep. Um, The next one I had was Davis Bertans, who is now with the Oklahoma City Thunder, in a 2024 second via Charlotte slash Minnesota for T.J. McConnell and Daniel Tice. It saves the Pacers a little bit of money this season. Um, Bertans has another year on his contract after this year, but it's similar to T.J. McConnell's. He, they have the early termination option, which means that they waive him by a certain date before the season starts. Only $5 million of that contract is guaranteed. So it would basically be uh, similar to what McConnell's guarantee is on his contract. Uh, you're creating a roster spot. You have you know, a third string guy that's probably not going to play a lot for you, who's an expiring kind of that you could trade. And you're also picking up another second round pick from Charlotte, Minnesota, where who knows where that pick's going to land at, but it just gives you a little bit more arsenal uh, or more things to add to your arsenal in terms of, like, you know, picks because Pacers have picks, uh, thrown picks around left and right here, um, second-round picks throughout their trades in this offseason. So I thought might as well get an extra asset before the season starts.
2: So Tyson McConnell for Bertons and a second-round pick? hmm Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that no one's got more picks than OKC, so they could definitely – do that they got a pick to take on tice i mean to take on uh bertons so that is interesting but i would probably rather have the shooting of bertons in an emergency than you know mcconnell and tice you know that you're not going to get the shooting with and to get an extra pick over there helps you accumulate assets money wise i guess it is kind of a wash like you mentioned so that's another trade that if the pacers did it i could see why it makes sense to be able to it probably makes you better this year in terms of being able to bring someone else in. But I'm I'm happy that in this scenario, we don't have to attach a pick to one of those guys to dump them. Right. And I think also like OKC is to a point where I
0: think they could be a playoff team next year. So they could, you know, having a McConnell on your roster to kind of be, I think he kind of fits with what OKC wants to be, because they're kind of similar to Indiana to me in terms of just like small market. They play really tough defense. I think Tice could be nice insurance for him as a backup big as well. Uh, they did just draft Cason Wallace, who's looked pretty good in Summer League. So maybe McConnell doesn't really get a chance to be the backup point guard. But I think it just gives them the optionality of having some depth on their roster. Because they got a lot of players. they got 21 players on their roster already. Um, they just recently took on Garuba and Ty, Ty Washington in a trade. But there's talks that those two guys could be moved on as well. So their roster is pretty crowded as it speaks. And maybe they could just keep them on, start the year, and trade them as well. But, you know... Okay, see, like you said, they got a lot of picks, and they just seem like a team that would do those kind of trades because they've already made multiple trades like that.
2: And one thing we want to point out, in the last couple of years, the association with just the name Bertans has been like, ah, like, that's gross. But this guy is a 39.8% career three-point shooter. They used to call him the Latvian Laser. Like, this guy was lights out from three... So to have him riding the bench knowing that you have a really good shooter there is not a bad situation if the Pacers are to end up moving on from Buddy say the trade deadline or anything of that sort, if that happens. So in this scenario, I think I'd be on board for that. I think the hard part is taking the emotional aspect out of it, moving on from McConnell because he is a fan favorite, but doing what's best for business in this situation, you get an asset. You know, you clear a roster spot, it does make a lot, a lot of sense. Yeah, now, absolutely.
0: Go to your next one. For my
2: next trade, this is when it gets bigger. So your trades might be in that same type of category. I'm throwing some stuff at the wall. I'm seeing what's sticking. Okay. In this scenario, it's the Pacers, and, and I, I think everybody knew one of these is probably going to come up eventually. It's hard to do it and have this name not come up. It's the Charlotte Hornets, all right? It's a two for one. Okay. In In this deal, Gordon Hayward's coming to the Pacers. Buddy Heald and Daniel Tice are going to Charlotte. You tell me, what do you think?
0: The more and more I think about Buddy Heald, the more and more I think this Pacer team needs him.
2: They love uh, him. They, they do. love him,
0: but I also think they need his scoring based on who they have on this roster right now, especially off the bench. Um, whether he starts or not, I mean, he's they need someone that can kind of bring scoring to the second unit because... Even if Bruce Brown starts, like we talked about, you know, who could it be that starting two guard with Matherin and and Halliburton in the backcourt? We could make the case for Buddy. We could make the case for Nimhard. We could make the case for Bruce Brown. It's going to be one of those three, most likely. But off the bench, Neesmith, Jarris Walker, Obi Toppin, uh, one of the centers, Nimhard. Like you need someone that can put the ball in the hoop. And I think Buddy Hield's prolific three point shooting is probably more valuable to the Pacers and what they're trying to establish, maybe than to other teams. So, I kind of feel like the Gordon Hayward trade would make some sense about because I do like Gordon Hayward. I think he's a good connector and he could be that offensive guy, but I wonder if he can maintain or handle the style of play that Rick Carlisle wants to play. Can he play up tempo for a whole 82 game season and be as durable as Buddy Mm -hmm. Hill? I would probably probably say no. no. Yeah. And so I think that the Pacers probably (laughs) value Buddy Hill more than Gordon Hayward, but I do understand like the whole point of like, you don't lose your expiring contracts that you have for next season. You'd still the opportunity to go out and get somebody next year if you're really targeting somebody. So it makes sense what you're trying to do, but also it's just, it's just, I think that the Pacers probably value Buddy maybe more than me and you have this whole entire off season. And I think that's fair because Buddy Heald was huge for this team last year in terms of three point uh, percentage and what he brought to the team offensively. So I think him in a lesser role could make more sense for the Pacers than you know what we had originally thought because we just hope that he buys into that role. But at the same time, I I think that as long as he's here with Tyrese and getting
2: good amount of playing time, he'll be fine with it. And I think that maybe behind closed doors, maybe he has bought into that role. I mean, it's not like they're going to announce that to us, but seeing him at summer league with the guys and the buddy being someone that's never made the playoffs before. Hey, winning, winning speaks. I mean, if the Pacers go on a run and they end up making the playoffs and he, we've talked about it before, Buddy feels like that kind of guy that could be like a six-man-of-the-year-esque player if used right. So, look, I, I get it. Yeah, and you mentioned it. What I was trying to accomplish here is how did the Pacers not take on any additional money? They get Tice off and it's like you're still getting a good enough score in Gordon Hayward, but obviously Buddy's Buddy. I mean, he's a one of the best three-point shooters that the league's ever seen. So I understand it. Um, and I'd be more than happy if the Pacers didn't do this. If they did do it, I would fully understand as well. Absolutely.
0: Um, You ready for me to move on to my next trade? I am. All right. I'm, I'm keeping mine simple, but, you know, that's what I like to do here. So um, I'm going to go to the Nets here, Facha, because they still have a guy that I think could be a nice trade chip this season. He could actually get some minutes um, with this team, but – I don't think that he would get playing time over the guys that I mentioned earlier. So I'm going to do, this is a tough one, but we're trading Jordan Mora and Jalen Smith to the Nets for Royce O'Neal and a 2029 second round pick from Dallas. Um, I feel like Jordan Mora is kind of on the outside looking in. Would love for him to be able to get more playing time, but I just feel like with how the roster is currently constructed, it's going to be hard for him. Jalen Smith, I think that he's a guy that could benefit from a a new change of scenery once again, just because there's so many centers in this uh, log. There's so many centers at the log jam right there at the front court. So I just feel like he could maybe be the backup center for what Brooklyn's trying to do. And Royce O'Neal's been a guy that's been rumored a few different times now as someone that could be on the trade, uh, on the trade block. So he's an unrestricted free agent next year. He's an expiring contract. He also get a 29 second round pick from Dallas. And I feel like the Nets add some young talent to go with their core they're trying to build up here. So I thought it made some sense, and I felt like you could probably trade Royce O'Neill as well. Probably actually get a couple of second-round picks later in the season if a team's really desperate for a wing like that. And I think it could be really nice insurance as well
2: if you have injuries. Nothing like another 6'4 player, right? You know, I think that this is just <laughs> what the Pacers need. But look, you know, Royce O'Neal, someone who in the past I, I thought, you know, had some solid years. I, I think that you know, he was, they traded a first round pick for him just about a, a year or two ago. Good three point shooter. Love that. Uh, good rebounder, especially for his size. He can make some plays also. Nearly four assists per game last year. Um, I had a try, I, I was trying to work Royce O'Neill into a trade. But I was like, man, I just don't know a scenario where they would take back Tice or anything. So when you include Jordan O'War in there, I think they do that trade. Pacers could do that trade. I've always been higher on Jordan O'War than you are. And I really, I even feel like it's a crime to have him as like the third string power forward after what we saw in the second half of the year.
1: So it's a trade. It it is tough. It's,
2: It's just there's so many good players on this team that it's hard to get everybody the playing time that they want. So between, you know, giving Jalen Smith and Jordan War a chance to shine in Brooklyn and getting that pick with Royce O'Neal, it is smart. You do save money in the process. I would be for the deal, but seeing Jordan O'Warrior kill it in Brooklyn would also hurt me. But I just also don't think that the Pacers are probably going to end up resigning Jordan O'Warrior when push comes to shove because, they're probably going to be swinging a bit higher in free agency.
1: That's my guess. So you
2: you never want to let someone walk. So I'd be more than fine trading for Royce O'Neal, letting him walk, you know, but uh, picking up that Dallas 2029 pick, because let's be honest, the way Lucas signed, Kyrie signed, who knows what Dallas is going to be looking like in
0: 2029. Absolutely. It could be. And it's like, you don't want to punt on guys that are so young that are part of your core right now. But at the same time, there's just, like you said, there's too many guys. And yeah, maybe if you keep Jordan Moore, like he might be able to come back on a cheaper contract, uh, re sign with the Pacers. They've obviously had interest in him before. And, you know, just depending on what direction they're heading, because I think defensively, he's going to have to get better and prove that he can be a yep. better defender because we know he can put the ball in the hoop. But the defense is where we got to see War take those next steps. So um, go to your next trade, Faji.
2: The last thing I want to say on that is my fear is I hope Jordan war is not who Jalen Smith just was this past year. Yeah. That guy point. that you you the guy that you trade for that looks so good and then you bring in other bodies like a Jaris Walker and Obi Toppin and all of a sudden there's times where he's not even getting off the bench. So mm-hmm. I hope that's not the case. But my next trade, it's actually a smaller one that must have slipped through the cracks. This involves the Washington Wizards. This is the Pacers sending Daniel Tice and a 2024 Milwaukee second-round pick to the Wizards. He's being absorbed in a trade ex- exception. And if they do want more assets, because they've been on the short end of the stick for many deals, I'm willing to include the 2025 Miami second-round pick because I think those are two of the worst second-round picks that you're probably going to come across.
0: So your thoughts on this. another salary not, dump for
2: Tice, basically. We're not taking anyone back. Yep.
0: Yeah, see, because I think they're over the tax already, I don't know if they would do this deal, Foch, just because even adding them to a traded player exception, they still have to pay the tax on that, and it just adds to their tax bill. But I'll actually throw out my Washington trade here because I actually think this might be my favorite trade that I've come up with yet so far, Oh, even though I think this one's going to hurt some Pacer fans. Um, Oh,
2: my God. Lay it on me. What
0: do we got? Okay, so we're going to send Daniel Tice and that Milwaukee 2024 second-round pick as well as Isaiah Jackson, to the Washington Wizards. And we're going to get our backup center for the next couple of years. He's under contract for three years. He started about 40-some games last year. Uh, Daniel Gafford. Daniel Gafford, I think, is someone that is on a great contract. He's making about $12 million in the next three years. He's an active rebounder. He's active on the glass. I think that he would fit this up-tempo style. He always is catching alley-oops. Personally, I think that he's ahead of Isaiah Jackson right now. I think that the reason that you throw in the second round pick here is because I think Isaiah Jackson is not as good as Daniel Gafford and the Wizards probably agree with that, but taking a flyer on someone that's 21 years old makes a lot of sense. Um, But the Pacers, you know, once again are trying to get their backup center for miles Turner. Um, There's no question here that I think Daniel Gafford would be a better option than both Jackson and Tice uh, at this point. And the Pacers are trying to win right now and could fit really well with the system. So, um, yeah, you're adding money onto the books, but you're also clearing that roster spot that you want, and it's only $12 million. I don't think it's going to hurt you that much, especially um, mm-hmm. since you know there's other ways they can maneuver money to make it happen for next offseason to get the players that they want in here if there's a free agent potentially. So I um, don't know if you hate Daniel Gafford or not, but he came from Chicago. I thought he was decent in Chicago when he got playing time, and then every time the Pacers have played him, I feel like he's been pretty impactful too for the Wizards. So what are your thoughts on Daniel Gafford?
2: I don't think they do it. Uh I look I lived in DC Wizards fans love Daniel Gafford. Daniel Gafford good shot blocker. Also when he came over there, I know his numbers only says 1.3, you know, but when he came over to Washington, that man looked like a totally different dude. Mm-hmm. He was blocking a lot and I know your point. He had some solid game, games against the Pacers. So, here's the thing. Yes, the Wizards are in a rebuild. Daniel Gafford's only 24 years old. Yeah, So it's not like he's too old or anything. And Isaiah Jackson, sure, they get younger. He's cheaper. Tice is whatever. And, and they get a pick with it. I think if the Pacers could do that deal, you do that deal. Daniel Gafford would be a a good backup center in this league. He's the Wizards' starting center. Um, and I think that in, in a year, that's really not going to mean anything for him. He, for them, they're probably going to put up some pretty good numbers. Uh, Daniel Gafford's probably going to put up some decent numbers. Um, I think if the Pacers could do this deal, you do this deal. I don't know if Washington does this deal. Yeah, it's a tough one because he
0: only played twenty minutes a game the last two seasons, you know, only average of what, like nine points a game. He had about yep. a block and a half uh per game and he was only getting about three and a half rebounds, so or no, excuse me, five and a half rebounds. So it's not like he's putting out these great statistics that make you feel like he's mm-hmm. untouchable. And that's why I think, you know, Washington's in a weird spot where they could see the potential of Isaiah Jackson and think that his ceiling's higher. They could. You know what I'm saying? That's the only reason I threw that in there. But you definitely have to give up something uh, besides Jackson and Tice. Like, I thought about just doing it straight up. But then I was like, oh, they probably don't do that. Um, That's why I was like, I'm throwing in a second-round pick with this deal. Because Gafford, to me, like, I'm not going to sit here and do a deep dive on Daniel Gafford as a player because there's no reason for it. But I do think that that's someone that could make a lot of sense as, like, a buy low. But I think some Pacer fans would hate the idea of trading Isaiah Jackson. For Daniel Gafford and a lot of Pacer fans would say no way we're trading Jackson for Gafford but I think a lot of Pacer fans too don't realize how impactful Gafford has been in his you know marginalized role next to Kyle Kuzma and last year Kristaps Porzingis
2: exactly Daniel Gafford like I mentioned before he's a really good shot blocker to have him backing up Miles Turner you would have really good rib protectors at the center position you'd be clearing up that that position I think that'd be an awesome trade for the Pacers. I know that Pacers fans, just like you mentioned, Isaiah Jackson, no, you can't. There's guys, whether we like it or not, there's unfortunately going to be a bunch of games this year where Isaiah Jackson probably doesn't get off the bench. You know, that's just how it is. There's a lot of centers there between Turner, Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson, and Daniel Tice is still there. They were having times where they were rotating, where some centers just would not play. For a while Daniel Gafford would be playing every night and that rotation would obviously be two centers you know cleaned up so if if the if the Wizards would do that deal I think the Pacers would have to do that deal clearing a roster spot in there is is a major plus as well I'm just tired of the log jam at the center position
0: I'm tired of like the back and forth of oh it's Jalen Smith's night to be the backup five no it's Isaiah Jackson's night no we're gonna keep rotating blah 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 it's like no just pick a direction and I think Like, this could be one of those moves where you, like, the Pacers got Jan Mahimi to back up Roy Hibbert, right? Like, it's not going to, like, make you feel super excited, but, like, then you realize how impactful Mahimi was because nobody knew who Mahimi was on the Mavericks. I mean, he was a backup center there, right? So you're you're probably thinking, well, you know, Gafford's not a bad player. Like, who is he? So that's kind of where this one's at for me. It's, like, uh, it's a very lackluster trade, I guess you could call it, but it's still a trade that to me could make some sense. I've got three more trades, Fachi. I don't know how many more you got, but go ahead and hit me with your next one.
2: I, I got, I got one and a half. I got okay. one that I don't know if I'm going to share. And then I got one that I'm ready to share. Okay. no, <laughs> so, There's always one of those where you never want to get laughed out of the, out of zoom or out of the podcast, but look, here's what I got. It's the Pacers and the Atlanta Hawks. And tell me what you think here. Okay. In this deal. The Pacers are sending Buddy Hilt and Jalen Smith, and they're getting back Bogdan Bogdanovich and a 2024 top eight protected first-round pick. Now, I'll tell you why. Listen to this. So the Hawks, they're in a shed salary mode. They punted on John Collins just to get him off the books. They they just re-signed DeJounte Murray. They want to re-sign... You know, a few other guys, they also want to bring in another star. So they're getting Bogdanovich's contract off the books, which has four years remaining, including this upcoming season. But look at the money. 18.7, so matches up perfectly with Buddy. It's actually about half a million cheaper. 17.2, 16 million, and then in a year four, a $16 million team option. So the Hawks would shed at least $30 million in future money without counting that $16 million team option. What are your thoughts on that? It's interesting. I think Bogdan Bogdanovich would actually fit here pretty
0: well with the Pacers. Off And the their bench. roster. Off the bench, yeah. Um, Man, this is tough because I just wonder. Shot
2: wondered... 40% from three last year. I mean, he, he's yeah. 39% for his career from three. He's a good three-point shooter. I
0: think all the points you've made about them saving money and that kind of stuff makes sense. I don't know if the pick makes a whole lot of sense. What, uh, getting I... a pick with him? Yes, I yeah. I think it'd probably be more like two seconds in this kind of a deal because but, I think I would say Bogdan's the best player in this trade. Even so though we, even though we like Buddy Hill and that's and we're doing them a favor by saving them some money. I also don't think that they value a Trey Young, Buddy Hill backcourt.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: A lot of defensive problems there. I mean, they're in a weird spot because they just extended Jonathan Murray. They've got Trey Young extended uh, for the next four years. Capella or DeAndre Hunter's extended for four years. So they've got a lot of future money on the books. So I understand completely what you're saying. And I think the Hawks will still continue to be an active team come – uh, the rest of the offseason, potentially, and going into the trade deadline, like they're going to be a team that's constantly looking to make roster adjustments with their with their team. But yeah, I, I I think that it makes sense with what everything you brought up, but I also think that the Hawks are trying to win and I think Bogdanovich helps them win more. I don't think they'd give up a, a, a protected pick for this at all. I think it would have to be two seconds. Um, and I think the Pacers would probably do
2: the deal if
0: it was two seconds in Bogdanovich just because
2: of like what he would. brings
0: to the table. But at the same time, how old is Bogdanovich?
2: He's 30. So him and Buddy are basically like literally the same age. Okay, so he's So 30. same age. Here's the thing. If it's lottery protected, maybe that gets the deal done. Uh, but even if it's not, and it is two second round picks, you know, the Pacers are picking up two second round picks in a year where Buddy's an expiring. Bogdanovich can help you continue to win the contract, though. I mean, think about that. Like, it goes down in value to the point where, say, on average, it's $16, $17 million. That's going to look phenomenal in a couple of years when guys start getting these crazy deals and you just signed Bruce Brown for $22.5 million. So uh, I think at this point, it's a it's a trade that both teams need to strongly consider because I think Bogdanovich is that guy that could be had on the Hawks compared to you know, a Trey Young, a DeJounte Murray, or maybe even a DeAndre Hunter.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I understand everything you're saying. I'm not going to try to poo-poo on it too much because I think you're bringing up some valid points. I just I wonder if both teams value their players more than maybe we do in this trade. You know what I mean? So, like, Buddy probably means more to the Pacers than he does to the Hawks, and I think yes. Bogdanovich probably means more to the Hawks than he does to the Pacers. Um, especially because I think he's I think he's not bad with the ball in his hands either. So, like, he's more he he can run a little bit more offense than I think Buddy Hield could. As like a secondary playmaker type of thing, so yeah, this is one that makes you think a little bit Fosh, That's for sure. <laughs> um, I, there's there's definitely some conversation to be had there, but I just think that maybe some of the pieces you had thrown together originally might be too much asking price for the Hawks. Um, they wouldn't they wouldn't take that back um, from what yeah. we were asking for. So
2: you, you start at a top eight protected. If you go to lottery, they still won't do that. Two second round picks, if if that's what it is. I'm, I'm still on board because okay. the Pacers are locking up a player. And that's always that thing of like, look, even to have that $16 million team option moving forward, you can make an argument that this contract then is only three years and it's only two you know, additional years past what Buddy would have been owed. But at the same point, yeah, maybe both players value their guy a little bit more. Who knows? But either way, it's definitely a move that I think the Pacers can be a better team moving forward compared to just punting. Mm-hmm. No, and that makes sense. Okay, I got three left.
0: Are you ready for them? Go, all, all just go all three. Okay, so this one is Thad Young and two second round picks, and Thad's on an expiring contract. Uh, the the two second round picks would be twenty twenty eight and twenty thirty for Jordan Mora and Jalen Smith.
2: Mm. Uh, that's tough because I, I we all love that. We all love that. Yeah, I, I'm but also thinking about him as a locker room presence. That That's he, where I'm at. I'm wondering yeah. what, what's left for Thad Young other third, than being a, a
0: great guy. Third string power forward, that's going to be a good locker room guy. He knows his culture pretty well. The Pacers loved him when he was here. Like, they did kind of do him dirty by not bringing him back. He said he would have come off the bench yeah. if they would have asked him. But I think at the same time, like – you know, his family loved Indiana, his boys loved Indiana, his wife definitely loved Indiana, and it was a good environment here. So I think having him back as a third string guy and kind of being another a mentor kind of maybe filling the James Johnson role, uh, could make sense. And then getting Raptors twenty twenty eight and twenty twenty thirty second round picks could be beneficial because who knows what the Raptors are gonna look like in seven, to eight years.
2: I don't think I can give Jordan War up in that. I just don't think we're going to get any Thad Young production. I think locker room wise, he's definitely important, but then if you're clearing that roster spot to bring in Thad Young to then have an extra roster spot to bring in George Hill, I think it's just too many veterans that are yeah. not contributing that much. Yeah, the way the I court. look at it, the way you can look at it is say, okay, Jalen Smith for
0: Thad Young straight up and then you trade Jordan War for two seconds.
2: Yeah, that that might be a little bit different. That's how know? that's
0: how you can break it down if you don't like I mean, the way it
2: sounds. yeah it's like you know i don't know i I just feel like i worry about what's the playing time that jordan war gets if jordan were on the court with playing time i think is just going to be able to give you production Mm -hmm. thad young i think is solely for the locker room jalen smith i'm not i wouldn't be that torn up about but and the picks who knows i mean you know that's totally up in the air what happens you know five to seven years from now for those picks so I think I pass on that deal. Okay,
0: I I think I would probably do it. That's why sure you I, would. That's, that's why you it. came up with it. But, but it's like know. one of those things where it had to make sense, and I think I can make the case for why it made sense for everybody. Um, just because I think you know Jalen Smith, I think they want to give him an opportunity to um, either be the backup five here or be the backup five somewhere else. Now the the Raptors, they got Precious Achiuwa, um, they've got Christian Coloco. they've got who's the other guy that I'm forgetting that they have that we always throw in trade ideas that we love from their team. Uh, uh,
2: Chris Boucher.
0: Chris Boucher, yeah. It's like, man, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. So, I mean, they do have options. Yeah, there, he but always think, gets thrown in there. <laughs> yes, but I think Jalen Smith could find a, a role with that team. And they're going to be in a weird spot because Toronto, they just can't punt for whatever reason. They are absolutely – They can't. They refuse to. Yeah, they're absolutely stuck on trying to win now. So the other two trades I have are probably just as boring, so I'll just go through them quickly. This one is a straight-up trade. It's Joe Harris, who just got traded to Detroit for TJ
2: McConnell and Daniel Times. Oh yeah, no, I, I do that deal. Okay. I, yeah. I do that deal. Just because you're you're getting you're getting shooting. Tice, I'm really not worried about. McConnell, look, it's it's been great, but you are cleaning up the rotation a bit. Um and he's expiring. So it's yeah, just you're yeah. saving money, saving future money. And
0: then basically there's something very similar, Marcus Morris, who's someone we talked about already, uh who was originally traded by the Clippers and then he was not happy with his role. Uh, I don't think he'd be super happy with his role here, but Marcus <laughs> Morris and a 20-30 second round pick from the Clippers for TJ McConnell and Jalen Smith could also make some sense. Yeah.
2: I wonder if I wonder if I mean I don't think that at that point that Marcus Morris would ask for a buyout or anything, he probably would get moved to the deadline. Yeah. Um, so McConnell and was it Jalen Smith? Jalen Smith. McConnell? Yeah,
0: because they can't take on that money. So here's the thing. So you're actually taking on more money this year because Pacers have cap space, but the Clippers are so far over the tax that McConnell and Tyce is just too much money uh, for Marcus Morris because they did they make like three hundred thousand or four hundred thousand more, and the Clippers can't do that. So you know how like trades you were able to kind of have that mm-hmm. flexibility before. Now yeah. you can't with certain teams, so that's why you would have to trade McConnell and Jalen Smith to to make that deal happen. Maybe you could do Tyson Smith instead, but at the same time, I don't want to trade two centers and bring back a forward and then only have two centers on my roster because that would make a whole lot of sense
2: i think is, is i wonder are you going to get a disgruntled marcus morris you could like if he doesn't even show up in indiana then you
0: just let him walk or, <laughs> or you try to find another trade like you know we just talked about with joe harris like even if you get marcus morris you're like okay we'll trade you to a team that's got the you know ability to take you on and we can take back a different contract, maybe get some extra seconds with it or something like that. You know, there's always ways you can go about maneuvering, but I think that both Jalen Smith and McConnell would actually help the Clippers. Oh, of uh, course they would with their rotation. And I think it could kind of give them a nice backup point guard. And then I think Jalen Smith could be a nice backup big. So I think that it made sense for both teams, but even if the Pacers wanted to, like Marcus Morris could potentially uh, play some backup three backup four at time, like where he's not completely out of the rotation uh this was probably like one of my least favorite ones of the ones i
2: said yeah i'm I'm out on this one i just think you're going to get a disgruntled marcus morris and you're giving up one of your best locker room guys in tj mcconnell and i feel like the pacers have been very clear to not have any negativity in the locker room and i just feel like marcus morris is that guy if he was unhappy you know in la he might be unhappy in indiana
0: I don't really care if he's unhappy in Indiana or not. I know, but it's one of those things where it's like you could probably like attach one of these trades that we said, like maybe send Marcus Morris to Detroit and then send Joe Harris to Indiana. Like you could make it a three-team trade with all these different teams that we've already mentioned here or or that I've mentioned with like similar salaries going back and forth to where like maybe he doesn't come to Indiana. He's rerouted somewhere else for a different type Mm -hmm. of move. So Yeah, I'd rather reroute him if possible. Yeah. Um, I I like the Joe Harris deal. I just literally went through every team and looked at who had expiring contracts and tried to make trades. That's what I did. Uh, So we didn't have money on the books for next year. Uh, You don't have to worry about giving McConnell that option, um, even that partial guarantee. And, you know, the one trade that we talked about with the, with the wizards, I was at one point, that's the only time I was like, okay, let's trade two biggest for one and see if they would do it because, it could make some sense, you know, but that's that's kind of where I drew the line. Like, most of these stuff, I think it's got to be, like, expiring contracts because exactly. you just want to continue to have that optionality for next year. I and know. Bring in guys that maybe can help you more long-term in terms of winning and being more of a playoff contender. And, yes, I am definitely keeping my eyes glued to OG and for next offseason. So exactly. Me too. That's exactly how I build all my stuff. With like, you don't want to take back all this extra money that's going to, like, type your books for years now mcconnell's or excuse me halliburton's going to be on his max ex, max extension so you want to continue to try to keep your 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 space and your cap as flexible as possible and you got a lot of restricted free agents next year with all those guys being in the same draft class so Nee smith and obi Toppin, and if you sign them to deals you know how does
2: that impact your salary i think you got to keep all that stuff in mind too no it's 100 percent true and that's why i only had one trade where we were taking any future money. That was the Bogdanovich deal. So, you know, we're in the same boat. Hey, the, the Pacers books look so good that you almost like you're really weary of who you're gonna bring on to those books because we do have big dreams now. We do feel like we can get OG, you know, whether it's trade and then sign them or just outright sign them in free agency. Who knows? But we feel that someone is gonna be coming next year. So we don't want to mess those books up. So you and I were basically on the same page of what we're looking for in return. It's unfortunate with Tice is like $9 million at this point. Once guys have signed becomes tougher. Like you do kind of need to attach something to that contract most likely, but overall I thought we had some good trades, probably a couple that are like, yeah, why would we do this? But that's why it's fun. That's why it's fun to come up with a couple (laughs) different options. And Hey, for everybody that's listening, send us some deals. If you come across one that we're like, how did we miss this one? Let us know because you know what the log jam looks like at center right now. It's way too much. There's so much talent on this team. We've got to find some way to get these guys playing time. And, you know, selfishly, or maybe not even selfishly, we do want to make one more move. One more move, you know, just to put that, that icing on the cake. So, guys, please send us any deals that we might have missed. We always appreciate that.
0: Yeah, like I've heard some people speculate there could be a bigger move out there. So if that's the case, like, okay, okay then just forget everything we just said in terms exactly. of use. scrap it. Yeah, but this is just like, okay, you feel like your roster is pretty much intact. Now you just want to make some minor adjustments. These are like your Brad Wanamaker trades uh, or signings. To, you know, when you trade Edmund are <laughs> like just trying to make your roster make more sense for what you need. And um, even though Brad Wanamaker was not good with the Pacers, at no. least you understood they needed another point guard, and that's why they did that. So it made sense at the time. Even though if it wasn't a good move, it made sense what they were thinking and what they were doing. But that's kind of what we were trying to do here was just clarify some of the roles and allow there to be more flexibility moving forward. And then, of course, I, I think that honestly, bringing a guy like George Hill back it means more than people realize. So mm-hmm. um, they could they could just tell George, Hey, thanks for your couple months last year, you know, we could have released you and let you go with the contender, but you stay with us. I mean, George Hill thinks he has basketball up to play, but he wants to retire here. He talked about that. He wants to be part owner of this team, uh, you know, whether it's like 1% or whatnot. But that, to me, speaks volumes to what this franchise needs. And so I think that if George Hill um, is that important to the fan base and the in the front office, then they got to figure out a way to potentially make a move that will get them some additional assets like
2: second-round picks. And create that roster spot for a guy like George. That's true, and that that was the crazy thing is like in the past, second round picks just felt like, like almost free samples. Like, ah, take this. But we've seen them be a little bit more valuable in in regards to players that you could obtain, whether it is an Obi Toppin or seeing six second round picks go to the, the Wizards for Bradley Beal, or you know, th- just crazy things like that. Um, so it's it's an interesting time in the NBA right now where. Either we're going through that CBA change. And honestly, when you look at a contract like Daniel Tice right now, it looks tough to move. At the trade deadline, knowing that there is no guaranteed money after this upcoming season, maybe that is an appealing contract to move. Mm-hmm. But obviously, we want to make a move before the regular season starts, not a move that happens, you know, come February. And, and I'll just throw this out here real quick, Watchy. I also think that Daniel Tice
0: might not be – As on the move as we think, and it could be somebody else, because I think if the Pacers are trying to make the playoffs next year, if you look at the four centers they have, of course, we know Miles is starting, but if you're looking at backup centers, the guy that you probably feel the most, um, not excited about, but the most secure in, the safest about, you probably feel like Tice makes the most sense in terms of just being the most consistently good at what he does. There's not yeah. a lot of uh, question marks with who he is as a player. He's a good screen setter, good rebounder, can shoot the three, good passer, a lot of experience under his belt. And I think mm-hmm. that that could be more valuable than people realize. So, yeah, we threw him in some of these deals and thought, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But at the same time, if you just did something more basic, like you did like the Daniel Tice trade, like what if you just like a, did a basic Jalen Smith trade for a, a couple seconds or something like that to San Antonio who could use another big or something like that. Like we didn't get that simple with it but you could you could do something like that as well and then you keep tice's veteran experience here because clearly he embraced whatever role they ask of him he seemed like a good locker room guy was always at the games and very active so i I think tice is you know more of a veteran leader than maybe we give him credit for and i think that he could actually play some backup five next year with this team and be more of a of a, a connector
2: and more of a solid fit just consistently and you're 100% right. It would be easier to move a Jalen Smith. You know, Jalen in a second-round pick, you could probably just send him to a team. And I'm sure there's a ton of teams that would probably, you know, pick him up. But at the same point, you still want to believe in Jalen Smith. You want him to at least take that, like, backup center role and, and make the most of it because he's a guy who did resign here. Yeah. But, you know, obviously that's us putting emotion into things. Yeah. The Pacers front office they know exactly what they're looking at on a daily basis and who's more consistent and all of that stuff so i do hope that the pacers make one more move to you know maybe just when you lose james johnson you lose george hill that impact it's going to be felt it is james johnson probably had the biggest impact with the least production on the court that we've heard of in, in quite some time. I mean, everybody raved about him. So you got to go out and find another veteran outside of just TJ McConnell. And Daniel Tice, yes, he's older, but I don't think he has that type of voice in the locker room like a George Hill type could have. And I think that's why the Pacers got to take a look at considering how do we how do we make one more move here? Totally agree, Fachi. So go ahead and let the people know where they can find us at on social media absolutely you can find us on twitter at setting the pace three you can find alex on twitter at alex golden nba i can be found on twitter at underscore f-a-c-c-i you can find us on instagram at pacers talk you can find us on facebook at set the pace you can find us on tiktok at set the pace and alex tell them where they can check us out on youtube
0: oh baby you can check us out on youtube at setting the pace uh, excuse me, youtube.com slash setting the pace is what happens when I change it up. I break up my habits of doing things normally and just letting it flow right off the tongue there. But yeah, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers podcast, Focci, where we have all of our video content there available for you. We want to thank you all once again for passing, uh, getting us past the 1000 subscriber marks. So now we are officially over 1000 subscribers on the YouTube page, which we will be more active on there. Obviously this episode will not be on there because we did not use video recording for this. We are recording this late Sunday night. Me and Fachi were just too tired to do the video side of it, but we will try to do more video content moving forward. And of course, everybody, if you're listening to this on the podcast app like normal, go ahead and leave us five-star writing and review if you have not already. We clearly love the feedback and it's just awesome to hear you guys. Throw that five star there. Maybe write something you like about the show in the review. It's just really cool to hear from you. So, um, with that being said, though, Fachi, if you're excited for the Pacers to get back in action for some Summer League basketball tonight and just see what they can do, then hit me with those three words. Let's
2: go, Pacers!
1: Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. we going to need a mop. Smooth. Smooth.